Welcome to Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast. Join us as we take a deep dive into the world of romance and erotic fiction and have candid and hilarious conversations about sex, sexuality, and hidden fantasies. Please note that each of our episodes will contain explicit content and language and lots of spoilers, so please listen at your own discretion. Now grab your books and vibrators and welcome to the club. Hello. Welcome to episode 15 of Erotically Neurotic. I'm Kayla. I'm Amanda. What do we come need to come up with? Oh, more books. Oh. I was looking at the list and I see that we only have like the next three picked. <gasps> what? Yes. What are we going to do? I know. We'll figure it out. I wanted to tell you something. Okay. So um, I was dying because we were just talking to your husband and he was saying that like he doesn't know how we read these books all the time, talk about this all the time, and not constantly be thinking about sex all the time, which we were like, no, we totally are all the time. (laughs) We are, we are men. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But not like in a like, ooh, I want it. It's just like everything reminds me of sex. Yeah. So um, this weekend I went to a cookie decorating class and it was run by this woman who we kept calling Mrs. Claus because she looked like she could easily be Mrs. Claus, like definitely in her seventies, just like this old, happy, sweet old lady. And she was saying the dirtiest shit and everyone kept looking at me and I was like, I, I couldn't hold it together. So I started writing some of the things she was saying. Keep the tip away from the cookie. <laughs> no one wants frosting in their cookie. Don't squeeze too hard on the tip. Really grip the thickest part and squeeze to get a steady stream. Oh my God. <laughs> do not, and I repeat, <laughs> do not, and I repeat, do not lick the tip. <laughs> I forgot about this one. <laughs> oh no, I've made a big mess and gooped on the side. <laughs> And that was 20 minutes in. Like, so means there's 20 minutes of material that I forgot to write. Do you think she was like, she she wasn't trying to be sexual Oh, no. <laughs> this is just her relationship with frosting. <laughs> and it brought me so much joy. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I really, I made some pretty ugly cookies, but God, was that priceless. But Mrs. Claus was priceless. But Mrs. Claus delivered. <laughs> yeah. And she kept talking about how she like, whipped the meringue too much or something so it was really watery mm. so she's like oh it's just it's just getting oh it's just so wet god it's so wet <laughs> like, good for you girlfriend like I, here's the thing does that make us dirty or i just think that's normal who would listen to that and not be thinking this <laughs> i mean everyone at my table obviously because they're my friends so they were all dying yeah and i was looking around and everyone else was like so serious and nodding their heads like oh yeah but you did goop on the side mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, man, your lives must be so boring if you don't hear this and just immediately go to the most vulgar sexual things you can imagine. So true. Oh my God, how fun. It was actually really cute. I remember, I think that day, um, I had called you and you're like, how's your weekend? And I was like, "Mm, sucks. (laughs) You're like, oh, why? And I was like, I don't know, because I have a fucking child. Like, (laughs) I can't go to cookie making sexual (laughs) classes with you. That's also when, after the cookie class, we got, um, my friends and I all got our conscious p- 
pierced? Yes. And when I told you, you were like, mm, I'm not going to lie to you. That sounds like your vagina. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I did not get my vagina and pierced. And then I did ask Amanda if she would get her, get her clip pierced. And you said no. No. I had just talked to a friend, though, who when she was younger had her hood pierced. Yeah. And said that she would have orgasms like walking up steps. Well, that's a reason to get it. I know. But then, do you remember that Grey's Anatomy episode where the girl would have spontaneous orgasms all the time? And she's like, imagine trying to have a conversation with your dad and then suddenly you're orgasming. So there are a lot of steps you know, leading to cons, places you don't want to be coming. <laughs> pros and cons. But do the pros outweigh the cons? I say yes. <laughs> I'll never look my dad in the eyes again if I can orgasm from walking up steps for the rest exactly. of my life. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Do you think your husband would ever get his ween pierced? His ween? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wiener. <laughs> if we're going to be anatomically correct. I like ween better than wiener, actually. Um, absolutely not. That man has pain tolerance the size of an ant. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking of something Sometimes really... Sometimes really the sayings you butcher... <laughs> Bring me so. I often think about you saying after the the interview with Lainey Davis, where you're like, you know, the winds, the winds will blow us where they do. Where did you get this shit? Okay, this wasn't a saying. I was trying to think of something really small. It's like you know there's an idiom, so you dive in, and then it's like you don't know it. <laughs> so just make it up. What is the saying? What? <coughs> Which one? <laughs> you said so many. The one about a low pain tolerance. Oh. Uh, you could say like he has the pain threshold of a child. <laughs> no, you want sensitive, the... not small. <laughs> threshold of a man which is which is zero yeah okay fair fair (laughs) but also i genuinely i do want to google how that works are they supposed to be flaccid or erect when they i would think flaccid because you want like the skin to be loose enough to snap to grab it oh sounds awful i know and there's so many nerve endings oh oh, honestly makes me sick and like would it feel good for us i really don't know well i think it depends on your vaginal sensitivity Mm. because I think the idea maybe is it's supposed to like I don't know is it supposed to hit your g-spot or just be like there's different types like I'm envisioning the ladder which is like the bolts that go literally like a ladder rung through your dick I was thinking what is it the Prince Albert like it's like a tiny little like whoop like a little hook that goes at the tippy tip yeah no he's never doing that shit yeah that that's that, that means nothing to me it means nothing yeah um I was thinking about how we went to the yoga class two weeks ago and I could barely practice because the man next to me had his toenails painted black and I was repulsed. That really grosses you out. I like when men paint their nails. (laughs) I like it. It shows confidence. Is that what it shows? (laughs) After class, I was like, Amanda, Amanda, look at She's like, what? And I was like, his feet. And she was like, ooh, they look good. And I was like, ah! (laughs) Sometimes I think you have, like, so many boomer (laughs) beliefs. (laughs) No, I, and I think that too. (laughs) But, okay, here's the deal. It's not like all nail polish is bad, but I just think the fact that, like, 
His feet were already gross, and then it was black nail polish. Mm. I don't think I would have liked it if it was another color. I'll be honest. Yeah. But yeah. the black, I think, made it worse. Oh, weird. And I'm like, are you just trying to be edgy? Here's the thing, guys, if you haven't been able to tell about me. I like kind of alpha jock males. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It is. Yeah. See, I like guys... And you like emo men. Well, not anymore. When I was younger, I definitely did. But I just like... I like um, men who are confident enough to embrace like um, like feminine sides of themselves. I don't like when it's so in your face where it's like, hey, I'm a feminist. Look how feminist I am. But like having, I've seen plenty of guys with like their fingers painted or like you can tell their kids did it, you know? It's like, well, that's and like adorable. But they obviously. don't immediately wash it off and. See, and I, agree. I like it. I like men who are man enough to have, to show their feminine qualities and at the same time just don't have many feminine qualities. <laughs> <laughs> you like when they embrace their very limited, yes. very specific feminine qualities. But I know this is one of my favorite things to say. I think my husband is actually, has like, well, I'm not going to say. This is what my mom said. <laughs> when she first met him, afterwards she was like, oh my God, I love him. He has such a great feminine energy about yeah, him. Yeah, he does. Yeah. That's what she said. And I told him and he was like, what the fuck? No, it's such a compliment because no, it's it like is. you can comfortably, t- you know, it's like with some guys you just don't feel comfortable. Like it's not that I feel like they're going to attack me. No. But it's it's different talking to a girl or even talking to a guy who's gay. Like it, it's taking that that something about that discomfort of like wanting to be distanced from them in some way. Like I, I don't want any, any messages to be misread. I don't want to yeah, be seen as flirting any of that. But with him from the rip, he just had kind of like that comfortable energy where it never felt like, Ooh, I hope he doesn't think I'm flirting or, Ooh, I think he's flirt. Like it's no. just comfortable. No, I agree. I, I, I don't disagree with my mom. I actually do think he has so many feminine I guess, qualities or a feminine energy, but mm-hmm. at the same time is also like so not. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it'd be cute one day if our kid painted his nails. I'd be mm-hmm. down with that. Mm-hmm. But if he like went and painted his nails by himself, <laughs> no. no. I think another reason I like the toenail polish is that it implies to me that he got them done. <laughs> and I think enough men don't go get pedicures and get their oh, na- toenails oh, gross done. nails. Don't I have been even. trying to get my husband to go get a pedicure with me for so long. I'm like, it's a hygiene thing. Yeah. You don't even have to get your nails done. Just like have them. No, so true. Scrape those calluses, trim those little nails up. Disgusting. But sorry, back anyway, to... Anyway, what were we talking about? I don't know, but I have to finish with, I think the reason my husband is like, is so good with those things and has more of that feminine energy is because he has three sisters. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. You know? Yeah. So they raised him well. Obviously, mm-hmm. his mom as well. But he just learned. Yeah. He just knew. Yeah. Should we do this? Let's do it. Guys, we okay. have a book for you today. <laughs> we sure do. So if you remember when we covered Untamed Vixen, which we loved, we also were disappointed because we had been trying to to do our first dark romance for you guys, and we just didn't feel like it was actually dark. So we went to... The author KG Roos. And let me tell you, she is dark as dark. Could she get. delivered yes. for sure. I have read her other series, which I love. I think this is darker than either of them. Mm. Or it's just dark, maybe just as dark, but in a very different way. 
that was even new for me. Like actually when we were going to start this book, my husband was out of town and I got too nervous. So I waited. Because you were telling me earlier, this is the author of the book that gave you the panic attack. Yes. Mm -hmm. I almost had a panic attack, you know, weeks ago from a scene in a book and it was from her other series. So I got really scared. Yeah. Um, And I was like, I'm going to wait till I'm not home alone. (laughs) And everything was good here. Yeah. Um, So this book is called Church. It's the first in her series, The Boys of Chapel Crest. It is a dark bully Asylum Academy reverse harem romance. Let's break that down. Let's break that down. Because half of that was new to me. (laughs) I would imagine for some of our listeners, all of that's new. Yes. So it's a dark bully romance. That's kind of self-explanatory. The characters aren't necessarily loving to each other. It's a bully relationship. They're pretty horrible. They're pretty horrible to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, An Asylum Academy, like an insane asylum. But also like a boarding school. And also like a religious academy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And then reverse harem, meaning numerous guys, one girl. Mm Mm-hmm. And then tack on the word romance. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an afterthought, honestly. (laughs) It is. Now, I'm going to read, there's literally 45 trigger warnings for this book, and I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to read some, and if it's already like, "Mm, this is a no-go, I highly encourage you to just pause here and go look on KG Roos's website to read her trigger warnings. Mm -hmm. And if you feel comfortable, then you can start listening again or read the book. But what I love about KG Roos and honestly all the other dark romance authors, they all list out all of their trigger warnings because Mm -hmm. they know it's really, really important that you read them and take note if it's going to work for you. Yeah, and we want to mirror that as well because yeah. we kind of we had a lot of conversations about how we could talk about this in this kind of podcast. Um because we want to be respectful of you as the listener because this is darker content and it truly could be triggering for a lot of different people, but we also want to honor the art of the author, right? Yeah. And kind of be true to what she created. So we can't take on a dark non-con was it Mm non-con dark non-con reverse harem bully romance but then kind of um gloss over gloss over that yeah that's what you and i haven't loved about other um erotica podcasts right like we want to get to the goods we want to talk about the nitty-gritty exactly so we want to make sure we're kind of respecting all parties here exactly so some of the trigger warnings are dubious consent that basically means the person doesn't say yes or no it's kind of sometimes like they're talked into it FYI. Uh, Non-con is non-consent, which really just means rape. Bullying, violence, knife play, fits of mania, psychopathy. Do I say that right? I I prefer psychopathy, Psychopathy. but I think the cadence is just pleasurable. I like that. Psychopathy. Sociopathy, depression, sexual and emotional abuse, captivity and confinement, being buried alive, dead bodies and their parts, forest animal deaths. (laughs) You caught us up to chapter two. Drug Drug use and abuse, mutism, kidnapping, medical experimentation. I'm going to pause there Um, because there's a lot more to go. (laughs) Do you want me to continue? I'm I'm curious, medical experimentism. Um, Is that book two? You know what? It's book two. Okay. Okay. It is. So, guys, now let me get into the actual (laughs) synopsis. (laughs) Oh, wait. This is what... How do you say her name? KG. Oh, 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 oh. 
The main female character. Um, Do you say Serena or Sirena? Because every time I read it, I was saying oh. Sirena. No, I was saying Serena. It's got to be. But then there's so many nicknames being I thrown know. about, and one of them is Siren. I don't know why it was so confusing confusing to me, but I've never seen the name Serena spelled S-I. Oh, how is it normally spelled? S-E. S-E. Yeah, S-E-R-E-N. Oh, uh-huh. So yeah. I was like, oh, Sirena. And then every time I was saying it, I was like, there's no way this is supposed to be Sirena. It's, it's, I'm sure it's meant to be Serena. I love that. <laughs> you read this book and like what really like you couldn't get behind <laughs> was that her name was pronounced Serena. I'm just saying. I will true. die on this hill. I will. I do not accept this. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yes, Serena. So the main female character is named Serena, and the book starts with a prologue taking place eight years earlier. In the prologue, Serena is 10 years old, and her best friend, Seth, tries to kill her because of the voices inside of his head telling him to. Moving on. We fast- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's just the prologue. Now, moving on. Fast forward about eight years later, Serena is 18 years old, and we learn that she was found a week after Seth's attack, having been locked inside of a big toolbox and shed left for dead. No one finds out that Seth is the one that committed the crime because Serena became mute and hasn't spoken since this occurrence eight years ago happened. So mm-hmm. she never told anyone it happened. She just has never spoken since because of the trauma. She has a terrible, abusive stepfather named Jerry that believes the devil is inside of her. And decides to ship her off to a state mental hospital called Chapel Crest. Serena is actually kind of okay with this because she feels like she's actually going to get a reprieve from the physical and verbal abuse that Jerry does to her when her mom and sister aren't around. Which is, I mean, just so fucking sad. Yeah. Like, that being shipped off is literally going to be better than being at home. Being shipped off to an asylum is better than being at home. Exactly. So she's shipped off to Chapel Crest which is an asylum and a religious school. And there she meets the main male characters who call themselves the Watchers. The Watchers consist of four guys. Church, Stitches, Ashes, and Sin. Mm. Which actually are less strange than their actual names, which are like Malachi. Dante. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Yeah. So... All of them have some type of mental illness or disorder. Church is apparently a psychopath and a sociopath, and he likes to kill forest animals. Uh, Stitches has bipolar disorder and God knows what else. <laughs> Sin has borderline personality disorder. I, 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 that's the only thing I kind of take umbrage in this book, that they keep being like, oh, he's so fucking sociopathic because of his BPD. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what BPD is. No. But continue. So Sin has... BPD, but also numerous different attachment disorders because his father tried to kill him when Mm -hmm. he was younger. And Ashes has OCD and is a pyromaniac. So he likes to set fires. I think think that pretty much covers as much as we can about them all. And then just, I don't know if if you said this already, but they are like the leaders of the school. Yes, they are the leaders of the school. They they run this place. They run the students and they run the teachers and the nuns and everyone. (laughs) Like, You don't want to be on their bad side. You don't want to cross them. They can take you down. So when Church sees Serena for the first time, he immediately wants her. He thinks that she might be the perfect fit for the four guys to share and essentially starts stalking her. 
Um, basically, his goal is to stalk her and threaten her so much that she overcomes her fears and embraces her own demons and begins to talk. But really, for his own gain. Yeah. Yes. Because that's like, that would be like an accomplishment from him that he like pushed this mute girl so far that she would speak for him. Exactly. But wouldn't you know, all of a sudden, in walks Seth. Remember, Seth is the best friend that tried to kill Serena when they were 10 years old. She hasn't seen him since. And, of course, he wants Serena too. Church decides to make a bet with Seth that the first one to get her to scream will win her. And we're going to stop there. I don't want to give away the ending. Yeah. Because it's a major cliffhanger type mm-hmm. to get to book two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might get into some more details as we get into some questions. Yeah, I think this is the place where normally we were like, pause here, read the book. Yeah. But again, we want to be really clear, like, this is super dark content. So yes. if this is not something that you feel, like, stable enough to listen to, if you're not at a place in your life where you or, um, listen to or read, if you're not comfortable taking in this kind of content. And Kayla and I, we're going to joke around a lot. So, like, yeah. if that just feels like not your vibe, totally get it. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like, yeah, I'm kind of curious, I want to explore this, then, yeah, hell yeah, read this book. Totally. I loved it. Um, You know, it's interesting because... When I was writing the synopsis, I was like, how do I find the right words? Because it's not like Church and the rest of the guys are doing nice things to win her over. They are doing bullying things. Anytime mm-hmm. she missed, like needs their help with something or just is like in a bind, they help her. But then they say, you're going to owe us. Mm-hmm. And she racks up what they call occurrences, which basically means they can come get her at any time and make her do whatever they want and say, mm, this is your occurrence. Mm-hmm. So again... It's not any sort of wooing. It's all very much bullying. Yeah. With romantic undertones, because it is, at the end of the day, romance. Actually, I loved that one of the authors, Angel Lawson, that we interviewed was saying about her dark romance book. She's like, it's basically romance with, like, bullying on crack. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what she had said? Yeah, yeah. So, take that for what you will. Um, The romance is an undertone throughout the entire book, but it doesn't negate... The violence. Yeah, because p- part of like the a theme that's woven throughout with each of the guys is because the main character is mute, they each in their own way open up to her and feel like they can be vulnerable with her because they know sh- she's not going to share their secrets. Exactly. So there are these moments of kind of tenderness, but within this larger picture of, of manipulation and rape. So I think to read this kind of book you have to do some mental gymnastics to just kind of accept that non, non-consensual non kind of forced sex that gives the girl pleasure is acceptable. And that hurts my soul to say that because it's just so against how reality operates. And I never want to perpetuate this idea that like you can force someone past their level of consent to then give consent, you know? Yeah. But in this book, you you just kind of have to, you just have to accept like this is the world we're going to be living in. Exactly. And it's uncomfortable. But for some people, it's really erotic and it's really freeing and it's exciting. Um, So it's, it's kind of fun to put all your, your, your preconceived notions of consent and rape and what's okay and what's not okay aside and just kind of embrace the chaos of a book like this. Exactly. 
I'm so impressed with you that you read it and you even enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I really, at first I was like, oh, Kayla, like, what are we doing here? And then, like I said, like once I just kind of accepted it for what it was, um, because yeah, like rape is bad. Non-consent is bad. Like, yes, uh, yes all of that is true. And you can still kind of enjoy this specific kind of fantasy world. Recognizing you don't want that in your real life at all. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Ask ask me some questions. Okay. Let's get into some questions. Oh, gosh. Okay. So because there are four of them, I kind of changed this up a bit. But with ashes, church, sin, and stitches, fuck, marry, kill, lock away for the rest of time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And why? Okay. Definitely marrying Ashes. Yeah, that's a good one. Ashes is really the only one I liked at all. Like, he was the only one I felt myself being attracted to. Why do you think that is? Because he was really the only one that showed any thread of kindness. Mm -hmm. He was more romantic. He didn't always love what the other guys did in terms of the bullying. He wanted to actually, like, be patient and be kind and try and get to know her and in fact spoiler alert she starts communicating with him by writing on his hand with her finger and that's the first time she's communicated literally in 10 years Mm -hmm. so he obviously is doing something right yeah he's like a sadist but not a a psychopath yes like the other guys like he admits like yeah i get off on you struggling or i get off on you being in pain but he doesn't um he doesn't want to inflict the yes. pain. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So I would have to marry Ashes. Um, I don't. I, I don't want to fuck any of them. Ashes' I, story is also really. Well, sad. I want to fuck Ashes. Can I you fuck can't, him no, too? You have to pick another one. I mean, I'm assuming in your marriage, you will be having sex with him. Um, I'm so so not attracted to any of them. I know. They all wore like rings. Oh, disgusting. They and all had piercings. Pierced tongues. That Ugh. was a big thing. No. Have you ever kissed someone with a pierced tongue? No. No. Mm. I'm not saying I would hate it. I guess I don't know. But they all wore jewelry, you guys. Ugh, the jewelry. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. That's your hard no? You it's know. not the small animal mutilation? It's the thumb rings? I mean, I, he goes off by himself, so I don't see him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. He can go do what he wants. I guess... I'm going to say fuck church because I don't, we don't know what it's like sex with the other guys yet. Oh, fair. That's so, valid. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to, I'm going to kill stitches and lock Sin away for the rest of time. And that is because I think locking him away is a way worse punishment than being killed. And Sin oh. deserves to be locked away, but I'm not going to tell you why. Okay. Okay. All right. What's your answer? I agree with half of it. I would definitely marry Ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like a little bit more whimsical. He takes her on that little date on the motorcycle and they look at the stars. I mean, he definitely is kind of the most normal of the bunch. Yes. Yeah. Um, his story's really sad. That's another question I wanted to ask. We'll get to that. His story's really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he, you know, obviously this is a spoiler, but the whole the whole thing is a spoiler. podcast spoiler. <laughs> he like had, he used to set, you know, he's a pyromaniac. So as a kid, he would set fires and his twin sister would always like protect him with the parents. One night he was outside. He set a fire outside. She came out, helped him stomp it out. They went to bed. And then a few hours later, the house was on fire and his sister died. And his parents basically 
blamed him for that. And, you know, then he was sent to this place. So he has a really sad story and my heart goes out to him. So I would say Mary Ashes. I would fuck church because church makes her squirt. And that's (laughs) exciting. Yep, it is. Good for him. He clearly knows what he's doing. Okay. Um, I would lock away stitches okay because i actually kind of liked stitches and he was described as a really good kisser so i don't want to kill him i kind of want him in the world if i ever need to dabble in some makeout sessions okay just so you know he does have facial tattoos and i'm just letting you know that doesn't bother me okay (laughs) go ahead keep going thank you for the warning you're welcome but facial tattoos don't really bother me you know he can commit okay yeah um and then sin who you know to his in his defense he's an overt asshole throughout the entire book because he's Part of his BPD, um, which is kind of consistent with folks with BPD, is that when he gets attached, he gets really attached. And he has trauma from a last a past relationship where he got too attached and she broke his heart. Yeah. So he's very, he's just like horrible to her throughout the entire book. So uh, there was no redeeming quality. Homeboy can go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of their pasts. Yes. I was thinking about this. If, they, if each of their story was a true crime podcast, <gasps> which one would you want to listen to? So as a recap, there's Church, who's just like a psychopath, right? Because his dad is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's like a rich kid, rich dad, total psychopath. There's Sin, who was shot in the chest by his father. There's Stitches. And then his father killed himself. Yes, in front of him, like blew out his brains. Yep. There's Stitches, whose mom was a drug addict. And um, one of the guys that she used to like sell him out to stabbed him in the chest, which is why he's called Stitches. Yep. And then there's Ashes, whose story I already told. So what podcast would you listen to? Ashes. Really? I think so. Yeah, why? I think it just has the most meat to it. Mm. It's really, really sad. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's true crime because... Like, we know he set the fire. He knows he set the fire. Yeah, yeah. So I would just say... So it isn't like a whodunit. Yeah, there's not a whodunit, but it's more just like, oh, sad, breaking mm. a family apart. Yeah. <laughs> I say that like I'm so excited for that <laughs> But it's not. We're true crime yeah, people, Yeah, no, it's really so. sad. It's really sad. We all like that voyeuristic shit. But I think if they were... Yeah, I would go with Ashes. What about you? Definitely not Church. I feel like that's just boring. Also, that's like the Murdoch case, so... Yeah. Not the Murdoch. What's the one in the South? Yeah, that's the Murdochs. The Murdochs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think Stitches would be really interesting because it has the background of the mom, the mom kind of in and out, being an addict and bringing all these people into his life. So I think like that could be interesting. I feel like it would go longer. There's yeah. more to explore there. Yeah. But you know what? Now that I'm saying it, Sin actually kind of has the most interesting story to me because yeah. he loved his mom. They were really close. His parents got a divorce. And his dad, like, kidnapped him and yeah. had his mom on the phone, had Sin begging for his life to his mom mm-hmm. while his dad then shot him and then killed himself. So, actually, that's kind of the most tear-jerking because his mom listened to the whole thing. I know. And imagine if they were able to get Sin and his mom as guests on the podcast to tell their Ooh, version yeah. of events. That would be good. And you can understand why his attachment disorder like rears its head even more so because of everything mm-hmm. that happened with his mom and being taken from his safe place. Yeah. And then his, yeah. the other person who's supposed to be his safe place, his dad, trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I might change my mind. I might say sin. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd listen to that. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, what do you think is so compelling, um, and for some of us, titillating, about these dark, non-consensual eroticas? Oh, it's such a hard question. I know. Just speak for yourself. Like, for you, what is it about this kind of content that draws you in? I know, because again, as you guys know, this is my favorite type of content. Mm -hmm. Amanda, if you were therapizing me, what would you say that means? I mean, I think it's interesting. I think... For some people, okay, I'm not going to talk about you specifically. Okay. Yeah. I think for some people, it can be really, especially if for people who have experienced traumas, there is an intersection between folks who have experienced physical and sexual trauma and folks who are drawn to like BDSM, right? That community. I'm not saying this is anything like the BDSM community because the BDSM community is big on consent. However, I do think there is something about reliving a trauma you've experienced but in a way that you have more control right Mm. like or in a way that then feels pleasurable or a way that you are consenting to so I wonder if some people enjoy that I also think there's something to be said about being titillated by something that's super taboo right like especially right now in society and I don't think this is a bad thing but in society we are so big on enthusiastic consent enthusiastic consent it has to be loving it has to be you know, both people have to be excited about it. It has to be mutually pleasurable, all of that. And it's it feels wrong to enjoy something that's the exact opposite of that. Yeah. That even though it results in pleasure, it still is like, oh, yucky, it's non-consensual. But I think there's something that people can be drawn to about that. Yeah. I also I, think... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, keep going. I was going to say a third thing, and this is coming from my work with... Um, sex offenders and again I'm not gonna say that people who read this content are like sex offenders but people who would get addicted to porn when you kind of watch the same content over and over again you come you become kind of numb to it Mm. so you up the ante and you up the like when you are looking for something this isn't the average Joe watching porn but when you are looking for titillation when you're looking for release you have to up the ante to get that yes it's like a spice level right you get used to it and you have to move up um and so I think if you read a lot of romantic comedies after a while, you're like, yeah, I kind of know this trope. I know the formula. This is boring. But in a situation like this, you have no idea what's going to happen. So and true. that can feel really exciting. So true. I think something that I like in these books is just the dominating factor. Mm. Like do Dubcon and Noncon, it's all about the domination factor to Mm -hmm. me. And yes, I would never want this book to happen to me in real life. This is a nightmare. But (laughs) suspending that and being in fantasy land, I just think it's, there's something sexy about the obsession Mm. and about the dominance and about the stalking and that I will die unless I have you and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to have you. There's just something that's hot about it. You know, it's interesting you bring up the obsession because when I, when I was reading the book, there were a couple times when like time would pass and there would be a quick sentence of like, you know, like a week passed and none of the watchers had approached her. And I found myself being like, oh, like they didn't say anything to her. So it's like, I felt it when the obsession would, would ebb, right? Yes. And be like, well, why aren't they, do they not like her anymore? Exactly. Are they, do they move on? Like I felt that for her. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah. But it's what happens. Because of course you don't want someone who's deranged to be obsessed with you. Yeah. But again, in this fantasy, to be the object of obsession and to be the object of desire of these four guys who like 
I mean, I have to, I keep reminding myself they're like 17 years old. They're I like know, you boys. can't envision that. You can't. They're like, don't even have chest hair yet <laughs> on all their, their tattooed little pecs. Um, but yeah, there is something kind of exciting about I that. I know. Yeah. Mm. Has reading these given you, is there any part of you that actually wants something like this to happen or would you want to explore that realm? Uh, yes, but not this book. Mm. This book is an absolute no for me because... I don't find any of the characters attractive and Mm -hmm. the setting is not attractive. I don't want to be (laughs) locked away in an insane asylum that's also a religious school. Oh God, I wouldn't want to be in either of those separately, let alone both together. So this book, this book's plot specifically, no. There are many other dark romances where I'm like, yeah, I really wish I was. (laughs) Which is, again, makes me feel terrible. Even some of uh, K.G. Roos's other series, um... She has one called Mayfair University, mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm-hmm, I want to be the girl in that uh, <laughs> series. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yes. What does that say about me, Amanda? Again, undetermined. Undetermined. <laughs> TBD. Um, I think, honestly, it's when I find the men to be hot and attractive to me mm-hmm. in the book, even if something terrible is happening in the book, I basically want to be in it. Yeah. But these guys, these these teenage boys. These teenage boys were a no. Yeah. But again, like her other series, Mayfair University, I'm like, mm-hmm, they're all hot as fuck. Give it to me. I also don't trust that these boys wear um, deodorant. I mean... I bet they wear Axe. Ew. Like, I feel like they're body spray boys, but I don't think... Because I don't think they care enough to be like, oh, I need to be clean. Like, I have to probably wash my penis and put some deodorant on. Yeah. I think they probably just, like, get up, like, filthy from whoever they had sex with the night before and spray body spray on themselves. I just, I feel like I'm so naive, but, like, what 17-year-olds were having that much sex? Th- they weren't. <laughs> they weren't having this much sex. I don't know. These days, they could be. Actually, yeah. Ugh. Maybe I not think when we were growing that up. That was, like, my shame part. That was, like, no one else was having sex. And I was, like, no, just you weren't having sex. But you know what? Even if they were, it was not to this level where it was just, like, girls lining up to give them head. Uh, nor were they good. Yeah, exactly. I hope. I hope I didn't miss it. What that. about you? Do you find yourself wanting to be in any of these settings? There was one scene that I actually wrote, like, oh, my God, this is, like, my real-life fantasy. And it's when she's sitting on the couch with Stitches and he's feeding her. And that was it. just like literally like it went on for a while and he was like in any nice book (laughs) it was really nice though but like you know they wouldn't let her eat they had to feed her oh yes and I'm like yeah give it to me like give me all the chocolate I won't put their like like find the girl chocolate in church is like rummaging through a drawer finding a chocolate there's like a whole scene for no reason about church looking for a chocolate bar and I'm like yeah I would fucking love to have to sit on a couch watch tv and have sexy men feed me popcorn and chocolate. Okay, completely agreed. But I also feel like that's kind of a cop-out answer because <laughs> that would be what anyone wants. And yeah. again, it could be in like a rom-com. It could be in a whatever. I know. Think about, There's however, you might not have read enough of these kind of like darker Yeah, I mean, to know. I mean, to, to the idea of multiple people just going like bananas on your body so you have the most mind-shattering orgasm like yeah that's great but the there's nothing about um the abusive components that are kind of part of the narrative and and exciting in the book there's nothing about that that I would want to that speaks to you yeah like dominating 
is fine, but um, no, not like the non-consensual parts of it. Yeah. That's... Because I also just feel like if if I were to try to do something like this with people I trusted, I would just laugh. I know. You know what I mean? Like, of I would course. just, like, be a goofball and be like, I'm sorry, what'd you say to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, can you not whisper in my ear? You're, like, spitting in my ear. Like, that, like, oh, that's, like, really loud. Can you not do that? Or, like, oh, my shoulder hurts. Don't hold it back like that. Like... It's so true. I just would complain too much. Yeah. I would really kill it. That makes sense. Um, do you think Serena not speaking makes her more vulnerable or gives her any sense of empowerment or strength? Ooh, great question. Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. I feel like it's probably a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. It certainly makes her more vulnerable because people do whatever they want to her Mm -hmm. without fear of repercussion because she's not saying anything. And that's just the truth because it's been that way since her attempted murder. Mm -hmm. Her stepdad physically and emotionally and verbally abuses her and she's never said a word to her mom or her sister. She says nothing. Mm -hmm. Everything that the guys do at school, she says nothing. So I think it 100% makes her more vulnerable. I could see it giving her strength in the sense that she's capturing secrets from people. Mm -hmm. She's an observer. People don't notice well I mean they all really notice her a lot but they don't take stock in her as much because they're like oh she's never gonna do anything about it Mm -hmm. so if and when she ever chooses to she's gonna have a lot of ammo yeah I agree with that I think yeah I think it does make her vulnerable because she can't speak up she can't scream she can't report what's going on right um and I think a lot of her mutism is like a dissociation so she's won a couple times in the book she just kind of like dissociates from her body and just like gives in you know um but I also think there is a strength to not always responding when people want you to respond and not giving people what they're you know not telling people what they want to hear not playing into people's insecurities by comforting them or reassuring them or and like you said the secret keeping like you know I think people underestimate her because of her mutism, but actually, like, cognitively, she's there, and she's listening, and she's absorbing. Exactly. Yes. To reiterate, if we didn't already, it's selective mutism, which means anatomically, everything is working. She could speak if she wanted to. It's a trauma response that she Mm -hmm. is choosing not to speak. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, like, she might want to speak and try, but it's not that she physically can't do it. It's mentally, emotionally she can't speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, yeah, she's not choosing to not speak. It's just that there is a part of her that's blocking her from verbally communicating. And based on what Serena narrates in the book, as a reader, you kind of understand it, that she was screaming for help Mm -hmm. for a week when she was stuck in that shed. And after that, it was just like, no, she can't use her voice anymore. What a heartbreaking trauma. I mean, obviously the, the trauma itself was horrible, but to like internalize this message of like it doesn't matter if you use your voice you're helpless anyway no one's gonna help you like that's fucking devastating i know yeah Mm. poor bryce huh we didn't even talk about that's my that's my whole question (laughs) poor bryce guys okay i didn't even mention him in my synopsis because there's a lot bryce got done dirty we're gonna talk about bryce bryce is a student and a tour guide that Serena meets right when she is checked in. He kind of takes her around and he becomes her really good friend, really her only friend. Mm-hmm. And 
helps her so much. He's, He's always sweet. there for her. There's no, there's no sexual tension. He has no nefarious agenda. Agenda. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, just cares for her. Tries to be there for her. But unfortunately, because he's not one of the watchers, he doesn't have much power. So when they're doing things to her, he kind of has to sit back and take it. Mm-hmm. She loves him too. Um, I think he's really her only safe space, and he's just done dirty. And may I tell you, I want them to be together. I know. I thought he was so sweet. I actually, just because of the the vibe of the book, I kept expecting him to be bad. Like, to suddenly be, like, the villain, right? Because mm-hmm. he's, like, so sweet. And the poor guy was put into this crazy religious asylum um, because he, his dad thought he was gay. Yeah. So, like, emotionally speaking, I mean, obviously it's traumatic to get kicked out of your house. But, like, emotionally, psychologically, like, this kid is, like, pretty stable. He's completely normal. And he just maintains this, like, really positive, accepting attitude. Yeah. And, and he is not gay. He's not gay. No. He, he has no issue, obviously, with, you know, being gay or gay people. But with the story he tells Serena is, like, I'm not even gay. But my, right. my dad won't listen to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was like, I wish I was gay so I, I could at least enjoy the kiss I got before I got sent Exactly, here. exactly. Yeah. So, I love Bryce. Um, he's done dirty. I read book two, and sadly, he's barely in it. Oh. Um, I, I have yet to go to book three, but I, I plan to, so I hope he makes a comeback. I was like, will he join the harem? What's going to happen? I but I don't, I don't see that happening because he's mm-hmm. actually a nice guy, and I just I don't see how that's going to happen. I wonder if... They just didn't have space for him. I know. You know, like given that I'm sure if, if how crazy and chaotic the first book was, not in a bad way, but in terms of how much happens. Yeah. I wonder if Bryce just having a vanilla character just didn't really fit. I know. I loved him though. He was so sweet. He was a And he would like. He would bring her cupcakes. He'd bring her cupcakes and like sit with her and they would watch like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and he would sleep with her, but like never did anything no, sexual. Just, just to provide her comfort. Yeah. She's her. like afraid of the dark. And he was the first one to just, he would understand her physical cues. She literally mm-hmm. wouldn't give any, let's be honest. Like, yeah. At first she wouldn't even, like no tilt of her head, nothing, Mm-mm, nothing. Wouldn't text. And he just was still able to read her nonverbal yeah. cues. I loved him. I really loved him. Justice for Bryce. Justice for Bryce. <laughs> Next question. There were so many villains in this book, from the Watchers to Seth to the head of school to Jerry. What made some villains acceptable and others irredeemable, given that they all did horrible things? Okay. I think the answer for me is the ones that were acceptable and palatable had the romantic undercurrent. So Mm. basically the Watchers, where even though everything they're doing is pretty messed up, Again, it's from this place of like wanting her so badly Mm. versus the headmaster who is just an evil, evil man. He doesn't want to bring her any pleasure. He's not doing anything. Again, even though the watchers are doing these bad things, it's in the hopes that she will kind of come around to them and be with them. And they do give her pleasure amongst the bullying Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. the headmaster who just wants to break her yeah. and does horrible things. Yeah. Does that about, make sense? No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. What about Seth? We didn't talk much about Seth because he tries to be kind of like tender. And, yes. And then when that doesn't work, because ultimately he just wants to win her, right? Like she's this object. So the whole thing is whoever makes her scream wins her. Yes. And so at one point he brings his dead mouse that he had 
um, taxidermied. Ugh. Yes. To like, that, like, it used to be like their little mouse together when they were kids. So he brings out this dead mouse to like scare them. I mean, he's like fucking repulsive. Yeah, he's repulsive. Oh, book two is like so much about Seth. Really? Yes. And so I feel like I can't answer that much because I'm like, oh, oh. my God, I know so much about him in book okay. two. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in his character and everything that's going on, it, He's really one of the main focus. Interesting. Which might indicate to you what the author's thinking. But yeah. I don't want to give it yeah. away. Okay, fair. Yeah. Yeah, it really does seem like what separates the acceptable villains from the unacceptable villains is like their ability to give her an orgasm. Basically, yes. And I've read so many of these books and the other undercurrent, and I'm such a sucker for this, is like the redemption story. Somehow mm. the men always end up redeeming themselves. And I'm always waiting for that to happen. And again, you could argue, is there any redemption from doing these things? No. But in the book, I fall for it and I'm like, yes. (laughs) You know, something happened where it's like she made them suffer back. They learned the error of their ways. Mm -hmm. They grew together. Whatever it was, I'm like, there was progression in the characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm such a sucker for that. Maybe that's a big part of it. That the, the villains that are acceptable show some type of growth in some way whereas the other villains stay frozen in their villainry is that a word and i just again i'm not saying it's right but i feel like um oh what's the word intent is so important Mm. it doesn't change the action but when i'm like oh but his intent is that like he loves her he's hurting her but his intent is that he loves her versus the headmaster whose intent is like, I hate you and I'm just going to hurt you. Yeah. It's different in my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I feel like that's kind of what's fun about these books. Yeah. Is like You kind of have to engage in these mental gymnastics. Exactly. In a different way. Oh, thank you. I really yeah. am doing like so much brain work. Look at all these, these men- <laughs> you're so mentally flexible. Thank you. Wow. Okay. What was the most, normally we say, what was your favorite sex scene? For this book, we're going to say, what was the most palatable sex scene? (laughs) Okay. Let me find it. You know, it's not like the sex scenes didn't do it for me. I'm going to be honest. They did. Yeah, they're pretty hot. (laughs) They did it for me. (laughs) I felt I had a lot of ambivalence when I was reading it because I got like halfway through the book and there was a little bit of a sigh of relief of like, okay, like nothing horrible has happened. But then I also was like, is anything going to happen? Like, are we going to, are we going to start? Are we going to touch no, it's, it's, it's actually a pretty slow burn for the one book. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to do a scene where it's a group scene minus sin. This is just church ashes and stitches. Okay. They're all watching a zombie movie and they decide that every time someone dies, uh, they have oh, to take yeah. off a piece of clothing and take a shot. Mm-hmm. So, Again, yes, this is all in the context of kind of non-con, dub-con. However, in this specific scene, I don't think it's non-consent. Um, I think it's more dubious consent slash Serena does want to partake. Mm-hmm. Because it does say things like, you know, when they say something or kind of touch her, she never tries to stand up and leave. She doesn't push their hand off. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So as a reader, I'm taking it more as like, you know what? She's... She's down for it. So, let's see. This is from Church's point of view. 
So let's see. Where do I where do I want to start reading? Because <laughs> the the sex scenes once they start, it's pages and chapters sometimes. Exactly, and I really mean, well written. It's long. Yeah. So it starts with Church asks who Serena who she wants to kiss first, and she starts communicating with ashes on his hand, and she writes on his hand, scared. He reaches out, taking her hand, and pulls her to him. His lips meet hers in a soft kiss that looked like a fucking Lifetime movie commercial. He was gentle and sweet with her, but I could see it. The restraint as his hands twitched. Mr. Candy Hearts may play all sweet and nice, but he wanted to tear her apart just as much as I did. I rose from my spot beside her and moved to my leather chair and watched as Stitches took my spot. When Ashes broke off the kiss, Stitches was quick to pull her face to his to pick up where Ashes left off. I watched as she fell into it easily, my dick in my hand as I stroked myself slowly. Ash's hand roamed up her bare thigh before he got to her panties. He crept his fingers forward beneath her waistband as Stitches continued to devour her mouth. I could see her tremble as Ashes dipped into her heat and rubbed against her clit. She broke away from Stitches' kiss and looked to me. It's okay. I'm okay, I murmured, knowing she was checking for my permission. Huh. <laughs> Next page. I just gotta keep going a little bit. <laughs> Stitches grunted and hooked his leg over hers and spread her wide for both of them. Her chest heaved as she breathed quickly, but she didn't push them away. In fact, when Ash's lips found hers, she parted them immediately for him, allowing his tongue to slip in. I watched completely mesmerized as they touched her, as they made her breathe harder, as they brought her close to release, working in tandem beneath her panties. I'll stop there. Yeah, because you could go on for another like 10 No, minutes. literally, so this is in one chapter. The next chapter just goes to Stitch's point of view and it's still mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me that. Any questions? Tell me that didn't do it for you. <laughs> no, that was a hot scene for sure. Right? That was a really hot scene. I really, I honestly can't imagine like two different guys' fingers in me at the same time. No, I mean, no. But mm-hmm. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, 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 it's the fantasy, right? Of it's like, you are like the sole focus of the group. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was hot. Yeah. What makes it kind of fucked up is that the reason she looks to him, she looks to church, is because a few days before, church found her and Stitches laying and like sleeping in bed together. Yeah. And they had kissed a little bit. And the rule, because this is Church's role, he's kind of the leader, is like, I'm her first everything. Like, again, it's very domineering first and very kiss. gross. First Yes. Everything. So at that point, he had already kissed her and he had touched her, but um, they hadn't had sex yet. So he was convinced Stitches, uh, she and Stitches had had sex, and he went crazy and he beat up Stitches and he threw her against a wall and, like, checked her virginity. It was all very gross. Yeah. So this is, like, him, again, in, like, this... This is the quote-unquote romantic um, undertone. It's buried real deep underneath. But if you dig <laughs> enough, it's the him showing that like he trusts her and he trusts the group. Exactly. So in Church's psychopathic way, it's him um, Caring. trying to make amends. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was a really hot scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. Okay, what's yours? Okay, so mine is another group scene. Mm. This one happens before that. So you like the group scenes, do you? I mean, no, I hate them. Um, So this one happened before yours. Okay. This is the first time they ever did a group thing. Okay. And Sin is here for it. 
but honestly, he's kind of boring. But <laughs> basically, they're all sitting, um, and he kind of whisk. They're all sitting in the living room, and he whispers into her ear, like, "Oh, she owes them an occurrence." So this is one of the times that she has to like pay back a way that they've helped her. Okay. So again, that immediately takes out any consent. But in this world, we have to be okay with that. Yeah. So he leans in and he kind of whispers, like, do you trust me? Let go and explore the possibilities with me, with us. Be tested. Like, kind of like, this is the time where I want you to, like, try to let go of your fears and and just trust that we'll take care of you. Yep. So Church is kind of holding her on his lap. She, in a physical way, kind of consents to allow him to, like, open up her body to the guy. So, like, he has her legs spread. She still has clothes on. As all the guys are watching, so there's like a like a, a voyeuristic component to this. All the guys are watching. He like slowly undresses her. And then one by one, he starts calling the guys over and like tells them to do something. So first Stitches is brought over. And it's interesting like for how psychopathic all these guys are betray- portrayed. They're all like very tender with her. Mm-hmm. So like Stitches comes over and he starts kissing her and, and she's kissing him back and she's talking about how good of a kisser he is because he has this tongue ring in and that he's like so sensual. Um, and this is where you really start to hear her, her ambivalence of like, I shouldn't want this. I'm not this girl, but like maybe I am. Maybe I like it. Then he calls Sin over who at first is like very resistant because he's like, no, I fucking hate her. The last girl we all shared tore us apart, which was like a super fucked up story, by the way. Mm-hmm. You have to read the book to learn that story. Um, so he's very put off. But then eventually Church is like, you got to do it or you're going to get an occurrence. So he finally gives into it. And like we know all along Sin is obsessed with her. Sin loves her as much as he tries to fight it. So he starts kissing her. She describes him as tasting like smoke and whiskey, which just sounds so repulsive to me. (laughs) But she's like, yeah, I'm into it. That's cool. So she's kissing him. All the guys start rubbing her. Sin rips off her underwear. Um, And then Ashes can tell that she's like kind of getting uncomfortable with how fast things are progressing. So then he takes Church's place and he holds her. And basically just, like, whispers into her ear, like, calming, soothing things. Like, just let go. Just enjoy like, it. I'm trying to I'm trying to read this. Oh, are you reading it? <laughs> yes. Sorry, do you want me to stop talking? Kind of. I want you to verbatim read it. <laughs> I'm not the reader. You're the reader. I never gonna, feel I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to take over. Okay. You're right. So now she's on Ash's lap. He said, close your eyes. Ash has instructed her in a tight voice as she tried to squirm again in his hold. Close them if you're scared. We can count together. I chanced to look up from between her legs and saw her squeeze her eyelids closed, her hand in stitches as he watched me work my magic. There you go. Relax, sweetheart. Let church make you feel good. It's just us. No one is ever going to know what we did tonight. You can just let go for a night and count with me. One, two, three. Ash's voice almost hypnotized me too. Serena relaxed a bit against him as I sucked her clit and inserted another finger into her. She tensed for a moment as she adjusted to the fullness before her body began to shake. Taking that as my invite to make her come, I sucked and licked harder and faster, hooking my fingers deep within her. Mm. Yes, he did. (laughs) Continue, continue, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Her body shook violently, her clip pulsating in my mouth as her pussy contracted on my fingers. Her wetness gushed out and I lapped it all up, eager to swallow everything she could give me. Her pussy tasted like heaven. It was probably the closest I'd ever get to the pearly gates, but it was fucking fantastic enough for me. 
I'd die happy knowing I'd gotten her off so much that she'd soaked my shirt and face. <laughs> now, I'll tell you why that's Amanda's favorite. Because Amanda loves when a girl has a lot of bodily fluids. <laughs> it's just the fantasy, right? Yep. You were really doing a great job describing it, but Thank I just you. like the verbatim I know. Text. And, but you know, we started to talk about this before. I worry that reading it verbatim, like even hearing you read it, I'm like, I was like cringing a little bit because I'm like, I don't want it to seem like we're making non-con sex like, okay. I don't know. Like this is, this is my own ambivalence. And I think like, this is why these books are so interesting because I, I, I do firmly believe what I said, which is like, you have to just give into the book and, and this is the, this is the world. This is the reality. And it, you can find it, um, strange but also kind of enjoyable but then like saying it out loud right like there I feel like I feel like ashamed being like oh Mm -hmm. I hope like I hope I hope that wasn't too much yeah of course I don't want that to be too much for anyone hopefully hopefully you weren't listening if you know what I mean if it was hopefully Hopefully you made it this far yes hopefully you had not made it this far and that's why I was telling Amanda I'm like you know what agree to disagree because of course rape is not okay but we are not in the real world here. Yeah. We are yeah. in book world, mm-hmm. fantasy land. Mm-hmm. And in this book, non-con is okay. And you know what? Right. Even if it isn't okay, that's for you to decide as a reader within yeah. the fantasy. Yeah, that's a really good you point. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there can be, you can be reading a non-con and be into it and then read a part of a sex scene and you're like, that's that's past my boundary. Oh, 100%. I, don't like that. I read yeah. plenty of non-con scenes and I'm like, oh my God, no, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do it for me. It it's completely dependent. I haven't luckily had certain traumas that make it super triggering for me. I'm just like, mm-hmm. mm, didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like, you know, freaking out over it. I'm just like, oh, yeah. that wasn't sexy. That's, yeah. And luckily that's been all it has been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think the fact is, is so many women really get off on these books. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm one of them. And as I can't, they should. I can't exactly say why. As we know, I think it's something about the domination, mm-hmm. the obsession. I kind, I, I am into the like forced orgasm. I'm mm. like, mm, well, I mean, that was pleasurable. So, you know, <laughs> didn't, I, did you like it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something there works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just that. I know. And I think that's so great. I think that's what's so great about this community that I keep learning over and over again is like the openness and I have parts of me that just always feel responsible for like um the well-being of other people and I which I get, is a really great trait but it's really annoying yeah, I mean it's, it's really draining I imagine yeah yeah for sure it is for sure it is but I would definitely say for people that are interested in in this darker stuff this would not be the book that I start with like if mm-hmm. you've never read a bully romance or a reverse harem let alone a combo of like dark bully reverse harem insane asylum (laughs) like don't start with this start start a little bit tamer yeah what would a recommendation be for someone who wanted to like dip their toes in that is such a good question trying to i feel like it's hard because to be honest i don't feel like i've read read any dark books that are very tame they all feel Mm -hmm. really really dark mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what I could let's put some thought into it yeah and why don't we put like a post up on Instagram 
Yeah. That's like dipping your toes into dark erotica. Yeah. I'll, I'll do some research. Uh, what a book. Yeah. I mean, I think like if, if, if you're comfortable with darker stuff, like, I mean, I, I really like this book. I'm so impressed, Amanda. Yeah. I'm, I'm like shocked. Good find. Yay. So similarly, um, the next book we're reading is Not So Meat Cute by Megan <laughs> Quinn. <laughs> and by similarly, she means not at all. <laughs> Literally the exact opposite. I think we all need to take a, a, a deep breath of some cleaner air. Yes. Before we dive back in. But we'll be doing not a Not So Meat Cute by the wonderful Megan Quinn. She is... A very well-known author for her rom-com style. Mm-hmm. I honestly find myself like laughing out loud all the time in the in her books. So, mm-hmm. but her sex scenes are hot. Oh as my god, fuck. her sex scenes are. I mean, literally, her books are some of the sex scenes that live in my brain all the time. Mm. I told you about one of the sex yeah. scenes in this book, and I was like, oh, I'll never forget it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to share it now, but I I'm so excited to reread this book because yeah. it's time. How do you think we did with this? This was, I know we were a little nervous tackling a, a dark non-con. I hope we did well. I hope it's not boring. I know. Yeah. Me too. If you think it's boring, message us. Tell us why. Tell us why. And if you think it's great, message us. And tell us why. And tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us. Uh, download. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram. That's it. We'll Love see you next you. week. Love you. Thank you for being a part of our Erotically Neurotic community. Don't forget to email your book recommendations, book club questions, and or any erotic stories, embarrassing moments, or sexual triumphs you want to share. Email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at eroticallyneuroticpodcast. Hi there, Amanda here. I think it's worth noting that any and all thoughts shared in these episodes are a reflection of my own personal and constantly evolving opinions, and not that of my profession or licensing board. While I am a therapist, I am not your therapist. Therefore, nothing I say in this podcast should be taken as therapy advice or guidance. Thank you so much for being a part of our sexy book club, and tune in next week for our next episode.